I want to know who motherfucking representing it here tonight. Hold on, hold on. I keep letting you back in. How can I explain myself? Louisiana shit. Murder on the beat. Something for y'all to cut up to, you know? Yeah. Everybody get your motherfucking roll on. I don't show you and she Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Champions of the West podcast. My name is Josh Stern. Uh, alongside me, joined, as always, uh, he is. He had a worse Monday than Mike Hart did after the Appalachian State game. It's Nick Margolis. Nicky, how how are we doing, man? <laughs> Mondays are uh, Mondays are Mondays where I work. Mondays it's... Mondays are brutal. But and excited to get on the podcast. There you go. And joining us in Chicago, uh, they're still waiting for their first day this year above forty degrees. Sean, Sean, saying how are we doing, man? I'm good. I'm still thawing out, but everything is. Everything is all right. Well, I mean, that's kind of all, all you can ask for. So, speaking of all we could ask for, this Michigan basketball team, the, the three of us followed it extremely closely, extremely intently. It was 41 games. Most college teams, you get 32, 35, something around there. I mean, kind of an unbelievable year. Um, I guess the first thing we'll talk about is some of the departures. So, the biggest one is Mo. Um, I guess – you know, coming into Michigan, he was kind of a little bit unknown. Beeline went on a covert recruiting mission to Germany to find him. Um, what did you guys think about him from freshman year to junior year? Did he exceed expectations? Did he not exceed expectations? Kind of what do you think and what will be your lasting impacts, both from a basketball standpoint, but also just from a personal standpoint on Mo? Yeah. Yes. I mean- oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nicky, go for it. Go for it. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of the first time I can feel like I, I remember Mo making a great impact. And it might, was it the play-in game freshman year? Probably, like, yeah. Was that against Charlotte? No, Who was that Tulsa. against? Tulsa. Tulsa? Yeah, I drove down to Dayton, Ohio. You were there. There's okay. nothing to do in Dayton, Ohio. So was that, that was our there. junior year? That would have no, that was been our, our senior, senior year. Senior God, year. We're so old. So old. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... I mean, I think that was the first game when everyone would – it was really easy to be like, what's Beeline doing? Like, why is this happening? We had a national championship team two years ago. And then this guy comes in and you're like, how did he not play the whole year? And, it, you know, we lose to Notre Dame. He plays very terrible, and I think he fouled really badly. And that was his first two games that I can really remember him playing. And – the next year, we saw more and more, and obviously this year was unbelievable. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know him personally, but the way he writes about Michigan, I'm excited. He's a great Michigan man and obviously hoping well in the draft. That was pretty good. Yeah, Sean. What did, I mean, kind of building off of Nick, but I'm sure you read the players should be in thing too. Like, yeah. You could kind of tell how much it meant for him to come to the U.S. to kind of find a pseudo home and a family and, uh, and all those things. I mean, it's kind of unbelievable to see his progression in that regard, too. Yeah, I mean, I think what was interesting from that article was, was him saying that he was going to be redshirted at first. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Beeline just had to put him on the floor because he was such a playmaker. And I was just looking through the stats. Smart to know. <laughs> Smart to know, yeah. 
Yeah, unseated Mark, Marky Mark. But uh, <laughs> Nick, uh, you brought up Charlotte. He brought he uh, dropped nineteen points in that game. Okay, so, so it was was, was that, that Charlotte, Charlotte or was that Tulsa? No, so Charlotte he was his breakout game in November. That's why I'm confused. Gotcha. And then yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that he just played so hard, and that was something that the GMs were talking about. Yeah. Um, I think Brandon Quinn from The Athletic broke that down, that you know, that was one of the things that actually qualified him as a safe bet, his his love for Passion. the game. and Yeah. So, I mean, That's funny because at the Big Ten tournament, a lot of the scouts that were sitting next to us said that they saw a lot of un- uninspiring basketball from the guys they were watching, like uh, Haas and Jaron Jackson, but – Clearly, that's not that's not from Mo. You don't have to worry about that from Mo. No, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think my my biggest question is, I mean, what does he do against a Clint Capella or a yeah. rising center that's beefy, right? Like, can he play defense on those guys? But there's someone I, like Giannis who plays the one and then will play the five. Yeah. No, I mean, Sean, you're totally right. But the the interesting thing with both guys is they kind of figured out what they were really good at first. You know, Capella was a rebounding and defense guy, and then now he has two probable Hall of Fame point guards that he gets to play pick and roll with, and he gets to dunk and lay up his way to 20 points. So rather than, you know, having a crazy jump shot, which Mo obviously has, or having a handle, which Mo has, you know, Mo has different kind of things, whereas Capella has that. And then Giannis... I don't know how many point cards are in the league. I mean, you can't really compare. He, hopefully he doesn't have to guard Giannis in the league because that, that's not going to end well. But yeah. um, I think with him, at least professionally, it's about carving out a niche. I, I think a ceiling for him could be a guy like Kelly Olenek where he's a shooter, he's a little bit of a playmaker, he's a trash talker. Which he's I think nasty. Actually, yeah. Yeah, I think probably actually helps his comp. And he's also white. I feel like big white guys need to be compared to big white guys. Sorry, but um, and he gets six fouls and six fouls. Yes, he can. He'll probably use two in the first three minutes, like he yeah. did at the beginning of Michigan, and we'll go from there. But um, man, he was so fun to watch. I mean, we, you know, when that first three pointer went in, we were like, the, the his engines are getting revved up. He was just ready to go. So exactly, yeah. He was 30 minutes away from delivering a national championship, right? Seriously. I mean, yeah. he had eight well, points through first six minutes. That's kind of an interesting thing to bring up because it felt like he played the perfect game for the first 10 minutes, and Villanova almost let him do that. In the league, guys don't necessarily play as hard, but they're more skilled. Do you think – I mean, Nick, do you think that's going to be more beneficial or more detrimental to his NBA success? In terms of just – what competitiveness? Yeah, I mean, I think at a certain point, as much as it hurts me to say it, all these NBA players do have a point when they said they're doing this for a job and they have to have this, you know, their knees span for a certain amount of years. You can't play eighty-two games a year as hard as you can play forty-one. Yeah, and that's not including playoffs. So you do have to condition your body, um, and that's why it'll be interesting to see if he can be able to be as successful without being so competitive game in and game on. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really interested to see kind of how he translates the league where he gets drafted. I think he'll probably be a late first round, uh, early second round pick. The difference being if he gets drafted at the end of the first round, he'll end up with a contender, which will be really, really good. Or if he gets drafted in the beginning of the second round, he could get drafted to a team like Sacramento 
that oh. is pretty much a black. But it, black it's hole, a black dude. hole for rookies. Yeah, black and hole. It, to- it totally derails your career. I think that's what happened with Stauskas, to be completely honest. He had two years in Sacramento, had no development. Yeah. And I think that totally killed him. So with Mo, it's one of those things where he's willing to be coached. I mean, Beeline is clearly perfect for having guys not only prepared for the next level, but also for coaching and for film and for all the things that you kind of have to do, especially as the season gets more important. So I don't know. It was a great run, though. Yeah. I mean, I I remember reading something that everyone who saw him last year and everyone who considered him last year really loved what he did this season. And, you know, rightfully so. So So do you think it'll be the same people that are scouting him? The Jazz, Bucks, same kind of system? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen much of the Jazz. How about, like, Houston? Oh, gosh. That'd be amazing. (laughs) I mean, if Mo was in a Houston system where he could take six threes a game and get yanked immediately, that would be unbelievable for him. Or he could – I was talking with Josh the other day, um, Sean, about how the article he talks about Dirk. What if if the Mavs Cuban goes, I need another – Baby Dirk. I know. Yeah, I need a baby (laughs) Dirk. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of a mess, right? Yeah, they're completely a mess. But that's again, that's one of those teams that's probably going to draft in the top five, and that could be potentially great if he learns from Dirk, but could also again be a black hole if they're just awful for the next like, couple of years. Didn't Dennis Smith have a good year? Or did he? I don't know. Yeah, but Dennis, guess, statistically, Dennis, he's a point guard who has the ball in his hands at all times. That's it's true. Like, it's like the rest, the Westbrook argument, where you know you can do all these amazing things on the floor, but if you're not helping your team win, are you really even helping at all? So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, they're tough. I mean, Harrison Barnes is their best player. J.J. Barrera leads the team in assists. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to two guys that didn't graduate but will not be with the Michigan team next year. The first is Ibby Watson. Um, we kind of had a sense from midway through the season when he wasn't really cracking the rotation when Jordan Poole was kind of taking his minutes um, that the writing was kind of on the wall for him. Um, I guess Beeline and the coaching staff probably said you're probably not going to be better than Brent Zekas, probably not going to be better than Brandon Johns. You're definitely not going to be better than sophomore year Jordan Poole, who I'm excited to talk about either later <laughs> on this podcast or at a later date. So he left. Um, I mean, do you guys have any good things to say about him? Anything that, that you thought was kind of disappointing People were kind of hoping that he was going to turn into Baby Karras, both from Pickerington, Ohio, similar kind of games, and it just never panned out. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, just passed up on the on the depth chart by freshman, and D-line, I think, clearly made a decision early on that he was going to invest in Jordan Poole. Yeah. And obviously, E.B. Watson learned and played good minutes in the – in the tournament for what is it? What, what game was that? A couple games, right? Yeah. yeah a couple games. I he kind of hopped off the bench and we went, Hold yeah, on, I mean, here, he was ready. That? Um, but I think it was pretty, yeah, the writing was on the wall that he yeah. wasn't going to have a spot to, to play next year. Um, I don't know. I could see him end up at like a smaller midmate, someone like a Butler. Like, I wonder if he has a relationship oh, with yeah. Washington there for sure. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of, I mean, our number two depth chart isn't crazy good. Like, right after Jordan Poole, we don't have, other than Nunez, we don't have a clear-cut two. 
backing him up. He had a 42-inch vertical, and he could shoot the three. I mean, supremely so talented just based on that. Yeah, like I'm not like I was never a huge EB guy. Obviously, he didn't really pan out, but sure. him getting solid backup minutes at the two, I thought would be plausible this year. And if you can make that 42-inch vertical go to work for you, like, yeah, sure. And the the other thing too is a guy like DJ Wilson did his two years. Wilson redshirted one and played one. Watson actually played both. And we, Wilson turned into an almost lottery pick in one year. I mean, Wilson's also 6'10", who plays more like a guard. And Ibby Watson is, unfortunately, 6'5". But, yeah, you think maybe one more year with Beeline, something could happen. But I guess it didn't really pan out. The other guy is uh, Brent Hibbets, who was not a scholarship player, so it's not really a big deal. But... I was talking to Nick about this, Sean. I'm wondering whether playing in a beeline system for two years, either two or three, I don't even remember exactly, but he graduated, so he's immediately eligible. Brett Hibbins is oh, probably is. a pretty good ball player. Yeah, I mean, he turned down scholarship offers, yeah. I know, to, to, to join Michigan, and I'm sure yeah. he got a lot of run at, on a scout team. So, so, so like, like you're saying, if you play on the scout team every day, you're playing against the Michigan starters, the national runner-up Michigan starters. Yeah, it'd be pretty good. I mean, do you think there's a chance that he could go to a mid-major and actually have an impact? I think so. I mean, how tall is he? What's his comp? Six, seven, six, eight. Yeah, apparently he dunks. What's his? Really? Hard. <laughs> no way. Brandy yeah. Bits the hard dunker. I'm so excited to call him that next year. Like long ago. Yeah. Like those guys are yeah. sneaky yeah, athletic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sneaky athletic. And obviously good. I mean, if you're yeah. playing in Michigan, you got to be pretty good. True. Yeah, no, uh, good, good for good for Brett for uh, getting getting some opportunity here, getting some experience, and then hopefully he goes to some sort of directional school and gets inserted right to the starting lineup, right? Yeah, that, some directional that, school. Directional school probably sounds right. I yeah. mean, there are 350 D1 teams. He could find a spot where he can either yeah. play significant bench minutes or start. Absolutely. Like Ohio State. Oh, God, I hope not. Oh, I hope not. Um, so, interesting to see what happens with Hibbets. Um, and then there are three seniors that actually graduated. So, Duncan Robinson, Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman, and Jerron Simmons. Simmons we only got to see for one year. Robinson played a first year somewhere else, but played three years in Michigan. And Abdurrahman played all four. Sean, we'll start with you. I mean, of... I guess more Robinson and Abdul Rahman. Which of those guys to you really stood out to you, or or, yeah. or did you just enjoy really watching? Absolutely, Mar. I mean, I remember uh, in Chicago. I think he was a freshman, and we were playing Wisconsin in the Big Ten tournament. Wisconsin, I think, was a one seed. It may have been the year they went to the national championship game and um, upset Kentucky. I think in the sweet or in the uh, in the final four. Yeah. So they were, they were a great team and Mar and we actually played them really tough that game. And Mar would just, was the only guy on the team that would get to the hoop and dude would just, yep. you know, have some freaking balls, get in there, <laughs> get down, get knocked down and then just pop right back up and nothing phased him. And I thought that was unbelievable to see from a, from a freshman and really the only guy that could take it to the hoop when we were, um, during that year, whatever year that was. Yeah, it's so. a really good point, too, because in the last seven or eight years, Beeline hasn't had a ton of guys on the roster that 
they just put their head down and go to the basket and can get buckets. Yeah. I mean, Trey Burke, Trey Burke was the National Player of the Year, so that, that's not really a fair comparison. But but Mar really was so good at doing that. Yep. And there was no one else on the roster who could even do yeah, that. Yeah, because Cares was hurt. Yep. And mm-hmm. yeah. that was it. Yeah. It really so, was. I loved his demeanor. I mean, I think that the, uh, that Maryland game – was that? Yeah, that was that Maryland, Maryland game, game this year. year. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, him sinking those three – or those free throws, like, yeah. not even sweating. I thought that was amazing. On a great I mean, and play then, call. On a great play call. So, very simple. Yeah. Go ahead. No, it was the Maryland game with the free throws – and then that kind of propelled him into the Maryland game on the road where he turned into a robot. I don't know what. There's the glass. Goggles. Exactly. The goggles. Goggles. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, but, Sean, you're totally right. If he misses those free throws, maybe the team finishes the year 7, 8, 9, 10 seed. Instead, they propel all the way to a 3. I mean, that yeah, could huge. be a season maker, right? What do you, I mean, yeah. what do you guys think? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, he was – I guess going back to the original question, like I think out of the three seniors, he's obviously the guy that, similar to Mo, is competitive, and I think will be on an NBA roster at some point next year. I think so. Too. I don't think he's a guy that's going to Europe like someone like Duncan Wood and probably Simmons. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the way he, you know, his whole game travels and. I, I see. I feel like an NBA team will realize that and pick him up. He might I not get he, drafted, but yeah. No, yeah, I think I he's mean, one of the bust funny... his ass in the G League and make a roster. Sorry, Sean, and he I... shoots the ball, shoots yeah. the ball well. Yeah, one of the funny things was I think it was at uh, the banquet or something. He uh, he was interviewed and kind of wanted someone asked him what his legacy wanted to be, and it's a guy who just you know came in with no agenda and just hung banners. Yeah. and I mean. Yeah, that's what he did, right? It's three banners, three banners is pretty good. Not bad, not bad for a, what a two star, two star recruit. Yeah, but that's that's kind of been Beeline's mo the entire time he's been in Michigan is finding these diamond in the rough type guys and saying, not only are you going to be a great college player, you can go to the league, you can actually do this, which is why. And Nick and I were talking about this. He doesn't he doesn't get the big recruits? Do we think that? The coaching staff doesn't go after those players. I believe that Beeline has a list of 15 or 20 guys that he and the assistant coaches sit down and try to go for. And I think in some years, that's Jalen Brown, that's Mo Bamba. In some years, guys like Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman fall into his lap at the end, and he goes, well, got to put him on the roster. And he turns into a guy who probably at some point will be on an NBA roster next year. Yeah. It's it's crazy. It's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. And, I mean, it shows this year with the recruiting class. The final rankings came out today. I think Michigan fell somewhere around like eight. But the two guys that were maybe two and three star, Castleton and uh, Nunez, they combined, I think, moved up like 70-something spots in the yeah. final rankings. So it's like he gets these guys that may not be completely developed, by the time they're juniors in high school, so they're not the five-star guy. And he sees them when they're 20, and he see, turns them into lottery picks. Yeah, it's or crazy. draft picks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I also got to give Duncan unbelievable credit. I think he almost it epitomized the season, right? I mean, he went from a defensive liability to a guy who 
which shut people down. In the post, I mean, for sure. In the post, absolutely. In the post, yeah. But we we were able to scheme it so he wasn't yep. exposed out on the out on the perimeter. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I mean, honestly, like at first we were like, "Oh my god, you can't you can't play defense to save your life." And by the end of the season, he was getting blocks, and it wasn't the ringleader. Surprising. Well, no, the craziest thing with Duncan for me was there was a reason that Livers took his starting spot. You know, Duncan had an unbelievable end of the year where he was playing about 27 to 30 minutes a game. But the reason Livers was starting is was terrible. He could not defend anyone. And so you keep a guy like that out there for shooting, and he couldn't make shit. And if you can't make shots and you can't play defense, you're Ribby Watson. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you find a new home. So just his psyche, and you alluded to Brennan Quinn earlier, but he wrote a really interesting article about the mentality of being in a slump and how Robinson didn't even believe that. But I think just a guy who's been Division I college basketball or Division One and three college basketball players for now five years, that's a guy who says, this is my last go. I got to figure out how to make this work. And he totally did that. And, you know, we joked all season that he was the X Factor with the six points, but those six points coming off the bench were huge. They were game changers. Well, yeah, they literally were. They're season changers. Yeah, that's right. So just his overall development. I mean, Sean, do you think he has a chance maybe to play in the NBA or maybe to have a lengthy career in Europe if he wants? I think Europe. I mean, at the end of the day, he still is just a shooter, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you could put it on the on the paint, but I think at the end of the day, the guy can shoot well. Was not able to have any sort of semblance of a Stauskas, you know, drive and, and kick and right. finish at the rim. Sure. What about like uh, I guess JJ Redick did get to the hoop, but he's I don't still know. playing. He's yeah. playing right now. In fact. Exactly. I get, he could be like a corver, but. Yeah, but he's I mean, not nearly as good of a shooter. But, yeah, he could be. Yeah. I mean, if his release was insane and his shot was better. Right. Yeah. I yeah. think he'll play a couple of years in, in Europe and then can't – I'm assuming he's a relatively smart guy. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you go to Williams, at least to start, then you got to be a smart enough guy since they're not doling out scholarships to anybody. So you got to get in some kind of academic merit. Yeah. I mean, I think we're, the guy we're going to miss, though, going back to your question – the guy that really stood out was was Mar and Oh, for sure. I mean, how many games did he miss with injury? Any? Uh, maybe one or two, but I don't think it was. It was probably more. I, I can't imagine it was more than five. I mean, he yeah. started uh, three years. Started three years. Yeah, I think so. He definitely started on that uh, playing game team with. Walton and Irvin when he was a sophomore and those guys were juniors. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, he definitely started the last two years. So that's kind of unbelievable too, how a guy like that kind of just puts on his hard hat every day and goes, I'm going to get buckets. I'm going to go out here and play as hard as I can and just does it. And hang banners. And hang banners. And hang banners. Yeah. I mean, he's a winner. He's a winner. Yeah. Yeah. He averaged 20 minutes a game as a freshman. As well, it's a lot. Yeah, his field goal percentage was always over forty percent. Yeah, crazy. Good basketball player, Sean. I don't. Oh, he missed two games his freshman year. 
I don't know if that means he missed them or be healthy like scratch. Three games. There might have been three healthy scratches. That might have been it. Wow. wow. Kind of crazy. So the last guy I wanted to talk about just briefly, Jerome Simmons. A lot of hopes and expectations. Personally, I thought he was going to come in and be the starter. We didn't know much about Xavier Simpson. We didn't know anything about Eli Brooks. Simmons had flashes. He probably saved Michigan in the Montana game in the first half when Montana could have leaked out and gotten a double-digit lead for the majority of the first half. He came in and got buckets. Besides for that, I don't know. I mean, he, he didn't rock the boat, which is a lot to say for a guy that averaged about 20 points per game and was – had he stayed at Ohio, he would have been the preseason NAC player of the year. And instead, he came to Michigan, and he was disappointed, but he never sulked. Um, I guess the question is, can guys pick up on Beeline's offense that quickly? Or is it just point guard specifically because you're literally running the whole offense? And while it's not necessarily a lot of dribble drive, it's just a lot of running the offense and, and you know creating intricate sets that maybe Simmons didn't have to do at Ohio. I mean, Sean... Do you think it's a combination of a lot of things, or was it one specific thing that kind of held them back from really succeeding? I mean, I think it may be two. One is just Beeline system is incredibly hard to, to learn when For you sure. are, you know, the CEO on the court, so to speak. And two, I think that Xavier really stepped it up, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he is, even though Eli Brooks was the guy to, to start the season, um, I got to imagine that Xavier had a big chip on his shoulder knowing that a, uh, you know, a, almost kind of like a ringer was going to go join the team because the outsiders thought that uh, we didn't have a point guard this year. So I think that Xavier really got challenged there and was able to elevate his game as a result. For sure. Yeah. I mean, going off that, I think that might be what Simmons is known for. For me is just the guy that lit the fire for Xavier Simpson. Yeah. That I guess along with Brooks, but, but I don't know. He came in and, like you said, would have been a MAC preseason player of the year. And clearly, I don't know. Someone could argue that this was Beeline playing a little, playing mind games with Sim- with Simpson, and saying, you know, I'm going to have this guy take your spot for a year while you learn another because I don't think you're ready. And through the majority and sixty percent of the season, we got really good play out of Simpson and he became, you know, top, top five defender in the nation um, for a point guard. So he just can work on the free throws in the off season. And you combine that with the Julius coming in and Brooks um, and even pool might play, might play point. I don't know. Maybe not. But, it uh, sounds like seems like there's a logjam at point guard. I don't know if yeah. we needs to play any of those. Minutes. But I don't know. I'm excited. I, I'm not as scared about the point guard situation right now as I was last year. Oh yeah, no. I'm feeling I'm feeling great about the team overall. And obviously Mo hurts, you know, losing a guy like that, but assuming we can figure out offense between now and November, I mean, we're gonna be we're definitely the Big Ten uh favorites, right? For sure, for sure. But don't want to rush to this season, to next season just yet. Sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. No, we're allowed to get excited. But we got to temper, temper it back a little bit first. Um, Nick, I mean, 
give me, I don't know, your top three, your top five favorite memories from the season, whether it be from a purely watching standpoint, from a being there in person standpoint, just kind of, I don't know, give me, give me a couple that, that you, you will remember from the season. Yeah, definitely the highlights. It started with the 12.40 a.m. tip. Something stupid, um, like 11.55 yeah, from Maui exactly. in November. We're the only yeah. idiots that stayed Aloha. up to watch that game. Yeah, Aloha's oh. right. <laughs> and then I come out of losing the, to LSU. half yep. asleep to see us. Oh, we're losing this game. We're going to lose to LSU. All right. At least I don't have work in four and a half hours. <laughs> But I did. And we stuck through it. Of course, we all did. And uh, honestly, the pool shot, obviously, was just insane. I look right, and Josh is in the corner of our apartment without a shirt on. Yeah, I'd I'd never done anything like that before, but it just kind of felt like taking the shirt off was the the only thing to do in that specific time. So I just kind of went for it, for sure. Yeah. And then Big Ten Tournament. Sorry, Sean, that you couldn't make it with the weather. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Big group here, two for two on Big Ten tournaments. Um, so I got to keep that going next year. We'll crash at your place, Sean. And, um, I don't know, going to Texas, going to my first Final Four. Wild. Kind of, kind of the highlight. Yeah. Um, between some long weighted barbecue and one of the most stressful sports situations I've been in in the first half of that game against Loyola. I don't know. I feel like Sean went pale. I was so burned that <laughs> I was pale. I was, I was barely breathing, but no, no one even noticed. You had such bad sun poisoning. I'm even surprised that you remember the game, yeah. to be honest. But, man, we powered through. We covered. It was an easy cover. I mean, we always say good teams win, great teams cover, so there's no doubt about that. And shout out to Matthews, who I'm excited about next year. He carried us, him and Mo, I, I don't know, through the whole Western bracket. For sure. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how Matthews does kind of where he has a full year under his belt where he can actually just play and not think, which he did a lot last year. Sean, so what, what were your some of your favorite moments? Yeah, so got it. Got to start with uh, Michigan State. Uh, Mo Wagner just taking over Breslin Center, uh, absolutely destroying their uh, their confidence. And I think it kind of showed that Michigan State is a very beatable team. If uh, I mean, I don't even know. I was going to say if you have a five that can shoot, but Syracuse didn't have a five that could shoot. Maybe they're just a beatable team with a coach that is uh, overwhelmed by issues that, you know, aren't on the basketball court. No, it's but, true. And the crazy thing, but too, are self-inflicted. Totally self-inflicted. Oh, that program is a mess. The crazy thing, too, is Mo missed two games about a month ago in December, and that was his fifth game back, and he'd been playing okay, but not great. And then he went 8 for 13 for 27 points against a top-five team. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, that was one of our best wins we've had in five years at that point, right? 100%. So, got it. Maybe was since huge. the last time we beat him there. Yeah, with uh, Stout. Was that with Stauskas? Yeah, blowing the kisses. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they have a lot of similarities, those two guys. For sure. Editors. Yeah. I think uh, I mean, 
I know we touched on the Maryland game, which I think was a uh, – we gave up a couple games this season, but that was one that we were able to, you know, kind of steal away. Another game that we actually haven't talked about that was huge was UCLA. Oh, home. without a doubt. True. Right, down, down 20 in the first half, coming back to win that in overtime, if I'm not mistaken. Pretty, Pretty much, much keeping the season, season afloat at that, that point. Keeping the season afloat. That was – Josh, uh, you know, to your point, that was that five-game stretch, right? That Six was game that five-game stretch that I asked Beeline about. I still can't believe the Big Ten gave me credentials to ask anyone of any importance anything. But it's, That's it's a great 20, question. 2017, 2018, so I guess just dream big and right. never know. But, yeah, I was really curious about that stretch because we thought Indiana was going to be good. But four out of those five teams made the tournament. So – if you go 1-4 and 0-5 oh in that stretch, your season's over. I mean, you're still playing the games, but you're playing for a play-in game or the NIT. So the fact that at least Michigan was able to get by that relatively unscathed, I mean, that sets the table for the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't, I don't, who was the guy who kind of led the charge in, against UCLA? I think it was Matthews. Was yeah. it? I think so. Matthews and... I think Simpson played well, but... I'll be honest, that was my throw. drunkest viewing experience of the season. At least you're over 20. I don't remember don't much. I just remember that. watching the screen. <laughs> <laughs> and being excited. <laughs> yeah, that was quite the game. Um, other big standouts. I think that the Penn State game at Penn State kind of proved to me that, hey, we, we are... We we're are ready. A, yeah, we're ready to yeah. go. Uh, kind of sucked then, the air out of that arena. Pretty oh, quick. man. Yeah, I mean, their big guy went down, unfortunately for them. But, I mean, they yeah. crushed the NIT tournament. It, I mean, they covered, I'm guessing, every single game. I know that in the you know their last couple of games, they just blew their opponents out of the water. So, right. they were a good team. Uh, and, of course, the postseason is just amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, what about for, yourself? Me, for me, um, the first game that I got to go to this year was in Wisconsin. And I think that started the winning streak. Um, It was one of those games where the game that you were at before against Northwestern Michigan looked awful. I don't, I don't even know if there's enough negative adjectives to describe how poorly the team played. Almost won the game. I think losing livers within the first couple of minutes was a major blow, but, um, but the team just came out and lit Wisconsin for almost 50 points in the first half. And I'm thinking to myself, this team, this team is thinking. This team is focused. And then, like you said, the Maryland game, the Penn State game, those two games on the road. Um, but for me, it was, it was the Purdue game. Purdue had been a top-10 team all season. Um, Michigan State, whenever Michigan plays Michigan State, there's obviously always a fire. And in the last couple of years, Michigan's played Michigan State really well, and I, I expected to win that game. With Purdue, I mean – they're just so deep and they have so many good players, or at least they did before Haas got hurt, that I was a little bit worried. I, I figured Beeline probably wasn't going to lose to a team to the third time, but to completely blow out a team for all intents and purposes to beat a Purdue team in the top 10 by 15 points, that shows you're, you're a team that's pretty good. Um, and then I was lucky enough that I got to go to – three of the NCAA tournament games. So I got to go to the games in California. I mean, the Texas A&M game was just, from the go, it was over. Um, I mean, I remember 
Jordan Poole has has Tyler Davis at the top of the key, and he takes one jab step. And that was like to start the game. Lord have mercy, Jordan Poole, if he wasn't going to end the last game with a three and start the next game with a three, and he, and he cans it. And I go, mm, this is looking good. And then within the first eight minutes, you're thinking, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but this team is probably in the Elite Eight. And they just kind of kept the barrage going. And uh, the C.J. Beard three at the end, I think the crowd went <laughs> just as nuts as if, I don't know, anybody else would hit a three. So that was pretty awesome. Um, and like Nick said, going to a Final Four, um, I had been to the Final Four in Atlanta. And it was as a student, it was a totally different experience. But I don't know, just being able to spend the weekend in Texas, we had uh, quite the adventure in Austin um, going to the game was pretty unbelievable. And I don't know, it, it just kind of felt like a, a summation of Michigan's season. Didn't really play great, made just enough plays down the stretch to kind of figure it out and, and win a game by double digits that, quite frankly, in the first half, they didn't even deserve to be in. So, I don't know, pretty special year, pretty unbelievable. Um, but kind of like you said, Next year could be pretty good, too. So with that, Sean, we'll start with you. Who is one guy on next year's roster, whether it could be a freshman or someone returning, that you're most excited about to watch? Yeah. I mean, I think that for a lot of Michigan fans, it's Jordan Poole. I will, for the sake of uh, making this an awesome and interesting podcast <laughs> uh, with some awesome sponsors coming, you know, coming up the pipe. Hopefully soon. We need some sponsors. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say Charles Matthews. Actually, nice. I think that I think if he can keep his head up when he's dribbling, the game will be markedly different for him. Right? We're not gonna see those turnover black hole just moments where he's dip, dribbling, double off dribbling, the off the knee, yeah, the all that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you have um, any concerns that Matthews might enter the NBA draft? I, I just I think you have to dribble the basketball to play in the NBA, uh, and he can't really do that reliably. Yeah. And you also can't be shooting fifty five percent when you're at a three. That's the big um, one. And the yeah, free throw line from the free throw line. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah, from yeah. the free throw line. So I think that he's going to take a you know a marginal step forward when it comes to his three point shot. But what's really going to be interesting to see with me is when he's driving because he has the athleticism to finish at the rim. Um, one folks collapse on him, him kicking it out and kind of having some times where the offense runs through him. Yeah, I think early in the year next year, Charles definitely will be getting a handful of possessions where there's going to be plays made just for him while we're trying to figure out who's scoring on the offense. I mean, it's going to be him, it's going to be Poole. You're trying to get what? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's who I'm most excited about. Clearly, is uh, Brad Zikas. He averaged, I think, 33 this year in his prep in his prep season, which is unheard of. He put up 40 against Huntington Prep, um, and he's playing good teams. And he's yeah, and he he just showed out very well at the Nike Hoop Summit out west um, for the international team. I think he had like 12 or 14 points. Um, I think he's coming in and he's going to compete immediately just because he's, he's older. He, yeah. he looks more developed than 
the guys we've seen come in as freshmen the last few years. I mean, Livers obviously is a is a great player, um, but I think he's coming in and he can get his own shot and can fill a void immediately. Yeah, I think the guy for me is going to be Xavier Simpson. Um, Big Ten tournament, Xavier Simpson, right? Yeah, well, we saw at the end of the season when you give Xavier Simpson a morsel of bulletin board material, he's coming for you. He is going to live in your shorts. I mean, just the defensive numbers that he had in the last 10 games were off the charts. He probably was one of the, uh, not for the whole year, but he was probably one of the best defensive point guards in the entire country for the last month or so of the schedule. So I want to see a couple things. Can he make his free throws? I know it sounds like a really obvious one, but if he can't make his free throws, then he can't stay on the floor for long stretches, especially in crunch time. Can he develop a reliable jump shot? Um, this is something that I'm really interested to see. Are they going to overhaul his shooting motion because right now, especially for a guy that's under six feet, if he's not wide open, his shot's getting blocked. He just needs far too much time to catch, get into his shooting motion and release. Whereas guys like Jordan Poole and Duncan Robinson, it's in and out in a third of a second or half a second. So that'll be interesting. And his assist numbers. We know that he can score. We know that he can defend. Can he get guys on the team involved? As both of you mentioned, with Brad Zekis and Charles Matthews, they're going to be playmakers on the floor and Jordan Poole. Simpson's got to get the ball to those guys in the right spots so they can make those plays. So he's kind of the glue that holds everything together. He doesn't need to score 20 points a game. He averaged about 7.5 this year. But if he can play defense and move the ball and shoot, even just be a shooting threat. Um, he only made 24 threes this year, and Michigan played in 41 games. So even in his good games, he wasn't consistently knocking down the outside shot. And that has to do with other guys making shots. But I want to see Simpson even take another step, not just defense, figure out how to score the ball. Um yeah, um, I think I think that's pretty much it. Do you guys have any any parting words? Any any last takes before we get out yeah. of here? I got I got a a couple there. I, we may be looking forward a little bit too much, but I got a couple quick hot takes for you boys. Tell me, tell me, tell me. So okay, okay. Over under Jordan Poole, thirteen points per game next year. Over. Over. Well, well you wanted us to say under. I know no. you wanted your cake to be spicy hot. No, no, no. I don't know. I mean, I think that well, – I mean, what would you guys put it at? 15. 15. Yep. How many points a game did Charles Matthews average? I'd say that's – For a month couldn't score. 13 sounds about right. But Charles Matthews, by the way, averaged 13.0 points per game. And Marr was 12.9. Yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I think that it's... 13 is close. Yeah. But I would well, love I like to. like over. Mean, yeah. Okay. How many Big Ten all-conference players, first team through third team, next year? Well, what are your hot takes? Yeah. You it's here. It sorry. No, no. Like, I, I'm setting you guys up for hot takes. We're going to revisit this, by the way, because I, yeah, yeah. I, I want to ask you this as the season gets closer. Right now. Wait. Yeah. I'm going to say Matthews. 
Simpson, and Poole. For for any any of first team through third team. Yeah. Okay. What about you? what about Nick? Um. Yeah, I mean, I could see Simpson and Matthews um, for different reasons, but they both are. They could if if they both can figure out the free throws, they can become pretty complete complete players. Um, and then on like the freshman team, I think depending on how much Iggy plays as well as DeJulius, they both could be on the all freshman Big Ten team. Um, I don't know who else is coming in to other schools, yeah. but they, they're going to get their chance to play. Um, no Teske though. Right? No, you guys don't I don't think he's the third best center in the league. I, I want to say that by the way. It doesn't matter because center's a weird position and it's more forward based. True. I I'm, I'm excited for Teske. I know I'm looking a little bit too ahead, but um, I think we see Teske on that team on that uh, all conference team. Maybe yeah. not first team, but cool. Last last question on my end for for your guys' hot takes. First team to make it to the final four between hockey, basketball, and, and football. To make it to the final four or yep. win the championship? To make it. Next year? No, I mean like whenever. What what are the what are the hockey, basketball, and football team? Which one's gonna do it first? I don't know enough about the hockey team, Sean. You're gonna have to educate me as the next season goes on because I'm clueless. Um I'm gonna go with the basketball team again. I mean I don't think it's going to be the football team, right? Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. I don't need them. <laughs> yeah, that's why I would say. I mean, that's why I'd maybe say the hockey, field hockey team. The field hockey team, yeah. I mean, they went zero and two on on uh, Sunday, so not great, but still got work to do for sure. Yeah. Well, boys, thank you for joining me on this Monday evening. Um, next week. I want to do a deep dive of the Amazon football documentary. Oh, man. I want to know what you guys thought, whether it was an accurate reflection of last year's team, and whether we get to see Don Brown be even close to his emotional. And my hot take, Sean, is that I think Pep Hamilton should be the head coach of Michigan based on watching that. But we can talk about that next week. <laughs> with that, we'll leave, we'll with, leave that, with Pat that, Hamilton. We'll, we'll end with a hot take with Hager. I don't, don't want to give people too much, but that's my hot take so far. Okay. That is, we'll leave Crazy. people with that. I, Have a good for, night. For everyone, for Nick, Sean, signing off for Champions of the West. We'll be back next week. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. There might be another feed popping up, but I don't know how the Twitter really work. You can find us on the Twitter. I'm not going to plug anyone's handle because we're not SoundCloud rappers. But uh, we'll be around. And uh, give us a listen. You can rate and comment. I don't think I'll do anything. But just text us. If you like it, just text us. It's pretty simple. All right, boys. We'll talk to you guys later. Explain myself. You said you for me, Louisiana shit. Murder on the beat. Something for y'all to cut up to, you know? Yeah.
everybody get your motherfucking roll on. I don't shorty and she doesn't want no slow song. Had a man last year, life.